This episode originally aired on August 26, 2022 on the Unethical Patreon. Our client for today is my grandma. Thanks, Graham. I think everybody in those times were molesters, so I don't know they what to were. say. Like, they yeah. all were. Was everybody a molester or did everybody get later labeled by the woke Gen Z as a molester? Yes, the those damned woke folks. Thank you for calling Private Dick's Detective Agency. If you're calling to suggest a case for the dicks to solve, leave a message after the tone. If Richard is your favorite dick, you're dumb. He's dumb. If you think RJ is the best, you are smart. He is the funniest. If you think Rick is the best dick, hang up the phone. If you want to tell us how amazing we all are, leave a message after the tone. So, basically, just leave a message after the tone. Well, Richard, actually, I think you're the funniest and the smartest and by far the best looking. But, you know, I I was uh, wondering about this new question. Is Elvis alive? Did he fake his own death? I'm intrigued. I, I can't believe that you've hit upon such an interesting subject. Of course, Elvis may be dead now, but I'm sure that he was alive several years after his supposed death on August 16th, 77. But I saw him. I personally saw him. So I know he's alive, or was alive. I can't say now because it was about, let's say, 84 when I saw him. But he was in Toronto on a subway. And well, it was just him. An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Like maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. Guys, my grandma called. My grandma wants us to solve a mystery for her. You think we could help my grandma out? Definitely. Definitely. That's very nice of you to jump all over. Yes. That. What do we call her? Joan. Okay. All right. Or Grandma J. Or cool. Uh, what does my nieces call them? Uh, Crazy Auntie Joan. Okay. She's 82 years old. Bless her heart. Well, she wants us to solve did Elvis fake his death? Or did he actually die? Or did something even more nefarious happen? Huh? Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum. So <laughs> you didn't even finish it. I waited for you to finish it. I stopped halfway through because he also started doing it. And then, uh, yeah, you could have done it. Join in. Right. Don't have to be right, such no, a. No, it's fine. I'll save it for later. Okay. <laughs> Reserve your strength. Seriously. Today we ask ourselves Did I was die in the toilet? Like we all know. You know that story? Died on the toilet? I thought he died in the bathtub. There you go. See, you don't even know that story. Uh, that's fine. I It's just Elvis is so popular. He's been in such the pop culture for so long. It's just like, how long will Elvis last? And it's starting to fade away because you don't even know the toilet story. So the, this is cool. It is. It's starting to fade away. My, par- my grandma and stuff, when I was a kid, right into Elvis. Grandma, grandpa, everyone. So 
I hear a lot about Elvis. They had a lot of Elvis albums that they used to play. Yeah, but I definitely should not be used as like the control group. Like RJ, do you know about this dying on the toilet thing? Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's what they always say about Elvis that he was a pill addict, extremely overweight, and then died while taking a crap. So that's definitely uh, I... uh, that's definitely the story. Do you know about his jumpsuits? You guys know the look of Elvis, right? Sideburns, jumpsuits, oh, rhinestones, yeah, yeah. karate. Did you know Elvis is a big karate guy? No, I did not. Okay, we'll get into that then too. <laughs> Unbelievable fame. I don't think people get fame like that anymore. Can we think of anyone that even compares to Elvis fame nowadays? Like Harry Styles. Uh, not today. I mean, today, no, but Michael Jackson easily. I would say Michael Jackson's the last person to be famous yeah, like that. It's tough. They don't they don't come up like that. No, no, you're just no, because think of the people who were like such big fans of Elvis at the time. It was like younger women bro i mean michael jackson is a confirmed pedophile and they still play his music at like children's events that man beat pedophilia i know but like that's what i'm saying like think about harry styles like he fits the elvis build for modern day yeah but barely fucking anybody like knows who he is like you 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 know like even when michael jackson was like let's say like i don't know the 90 early 90s like people in their fucking 70s knew who he was if you mentioned him because he was everywhere you know harry styles and everywhere yeah media was so pinpoint before too right so you would all get you don't have whatever you want you can't just go search out your people anymore well or then back then now you can you can just go find subgroups there's so many subgroups of everything that you don't have to know who Harry Styles is anymore. Let's also not limit ourselves to one particular medium or type of fame, because I think the name Donald Trump would would ring a few bells with just That's about true. any person that, in the world. Very true. So. Donald Trump, <laughs> any president really would be that level of fame. But that's crazy that you have to become president to get that kind of fame now. You know, like, yeah. And yeah. I would bet that he will die on the shitter, too. Yeah, uh, one can only yeah. hope. You're yeah, probably right. Let's make that soon. Yeah. <laughs> Are we gonna do a verified death threat on a on an ex US president on this podcast? <laughs> um, yeah, so so you have to be president. That's true. I didn't even think of Donald Trump. So yeah, Donald Trump would be an equal amount of fame, which is fucking worldwide crazy fame. It's so crazy. Uh, do people riot at concerts anymore? Did Harry Styles ever have a riot at a concert? Oh, when you be- say it like that, Kanye West, everybody knows that motherfucker. I was just gonna say that too. Yeah, probably. I guess, I guess Kanye for sure. But how old's Kanye now? Like in his 50s, 40s? late 50, no. 40s, early 50s? I, I don't know. He's been Somewhere around since I was a kid. Yeah. He's got to be in his 40s. 45 years old. 45? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess so. Elvis, by, Elvis died 42. So, did the king of rock and roll fake his death to get away from the fame and live a simple life? Well, to solve this mystery, we got to do what we always do, which is? Make it about werewolves or uh, child sex ring. Oh, uh, good try. What do you got, Rick? What's my answer behind that? Figure out the mystery. We have to look into the... I'm sorry. I, I completely blanked. What? To figure out the mystery, we got to look in the hit. The Roxbury. Welcome to the Roxbury. No. <laughs> Solve this mystery, we got to look into the... Uh, what model toilet Elvis owned? No. Am I supposed to know the thing that you're trying to get me to say? I, I'm trying to get you to say history, but you're not going to say it. Oh, history. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I love the confidence and swagger that you, you said Night at the Roxbury with for no fucking reason. No, he said he said something about history is what I'm trying. I'm trying to get you no, to run mystery said, with history. He said something. He said a tagline that was in the Night at the Roxbury. It immediately made me think of it, but I don't know. I don't oh. remember what he said. That was what just is- like 
What you is just love? like link something in my brain. Gear, this is what we're going to do. Well, to solve this mystery, we're going to do what we always do, which is I dive too deep into the life of the subject, making it more about the subject, about the episode than the mystery. So that's what we did today. I went too crazy, guys. I'm sorry. It's Lawn Boat Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I'm excited. So let me tell you about our boy, Elvis Presley. Elvis Aaron Presley was born on January 8th, 1935 in Tupelo, Mississippi. Elvis what now? Yeah, I say Aaron because it's spelt A-R-O-N. Uh, and the reason I even bring this up, because later in life, Elvis changes his middle name to A-A-R-O-N. So it sounds like Aaron, the more Christian sounding version of it. So he changed uh. it for, he added an extra A because he did was like, I'm not close enough to God here. How much does better, that cost? That's better than that's better than adding a Y after the R. <laughs> Aaron? <laughs> no. What is the after Y the after R. the R? Arian? Ooh, I know what <laughs> yeah, you're doing. That's, that's what I was going for. <laughs> you, you got it. No, I, I just found that hilarious that he changed it later in life. How much does it cost to change a letter in your name? Doesn't matter. Elvis had unlimited money. It didn't really matter. He could have done whatever. He could Did he have it. unlimited money at that time? So he changed yeah, it change after it. he was famous? Later in life, yeah, for sure. That's just like, that's red flag. Somebody's got to check on that, man. See, well, this did he fake his death? See, look, clue number one. If I had a, if I had a friend who was like, oh, I'm going to just add an extra A to my middle name, that would be like, a, that. you got to have an intervention. It's because of Jesus, though. He wanted to be closer to God. That feels like bullshit. Did we ignore your grandma's phone call? No, nah, she already called. I just, oh, okay. she, she talked, uh, she left a message. I'm not, I'll call her back after, you know. Gotcha. All right. I mean, I'm not dying to talk to your grandma. Not that I'm sure she's a lovely woman. I'm not trying to strong arm you into it. That's all. He was the younger twin born 35 minutes after his older brother, Jesse Garen Presley. That's right. Elvis's middle name was Aaron and his brother's middle name was Garen. Hmm. So what do you think a Garyan is? Somebody who's like thinks all Garys are <laughs> superior to anyone yes. with any other name? Yes. It Sorry, is. I couldn't not make that connection. Unfortunately, Jesse was a stillborn. So I'm guessing Elvis killed him in the womb. Baby Elvis, like, we're not going to go through life as Aaron and Garen and just like chokes him out with the fucking umbilical cord. We won't be made fun of. I'm Elvis. Honestly, when I was reading about this Garen Aaron thing, I think Garen was seriously to rhyme with Elvis's middle name as some like weird hillbilly tribute to their stillborn son. I'm not even joking. I got Jesse huh. Elvis Aaron and Jesse Garen. Jesse Garen's up in heaven. Fucking weird. You, you think the better tribute would just be to name the remaining one the one you wanted to name? Like, if that one died, you're like, shit, I like that name. Just name the other one. Or just make him Elvis Jesse Presley. Right. So he can be like he was named after. Also, they could just lie later in life yeah. at any point in time and be like, this is what we named the oh, one that died. You know, though, we're also talking about people who probably couldn't read, so we can... No, I think Jesse Garen could probably read. <laughs> Better than his parents. Could you imagine, though? That's another thing I was thinking about. Can you imagine if Jesse did survive? If we had Presley twins? Like, those guys would have been fucking menaces. All those mm -hmm. hip gyrations and rubber legs. Ugh. Maybe Jesse would have held them back. Maybe it was like a butterfly effect thing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the, the extended ending of butterfly yeah. effect yeah. he kept him back in like 50 timelines before that yeah. so he finally took yeah. him out fuck you yep. garen yeah. elvis's mother gladys presley gives birth at home in their two-room house that her husband vernon and his brother built themselves the house had no electricity or plumbing i can't even fucking imagine having to give birth or watching birth in your house that has zero plumbing 
you know? Yeah. Gladys and Vernon had no other kids, leaving Elvis an only child. Elvis had a very tight-knit family, extended family, everything, like all his aunts, uh, uncles, parents, grandparents, cousins, they all lived in Tupelo. Uh, Gladys, Vernon, and the rest of the family were very poor, but they all just kind of shared and helped out each other wherever they could, and, and they got by pretty all right for what they had, which was not much. Um, in the 1940s, nearly half of all houses lacked hot pipe water, a bathtub or a shower, or a flushable toilet. Yeah, I can't imagine that part. Like, that's not even 100 years ago. So far, Elvis has yet to stand out except for his brother died when he was born. Yeah, but if they didn't have a flushable toilet, what did they do with Jesse? How'd they get rid of him? <laughs> they had dogs. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they go nuts for those. They're poor and hungry. They shared with the family. Baby back roast. <laughs> you asked the question. I love the answer. His parents look like they would have eaten his brother. Holy yeah, for fuck. sure. His mom's a pretty big girl. No, I didn't mean by that. I just, they look like they're dead inside. <laughs> I mean, they probably are now, but. Well, they have some dead inside of them. So quick to fat shame, Richard. He was talking about their I'm lifeless fat. eyes. Yeah, I'm fat, so I don't care. They look like they're dead. This looks like their death picture. They look like fucking serial killers. There, they look like Bonnie. And oh Bob. damn! Yeah, holy shit! That man is missing a whole upper lip. <laughs> they really look like Bonnie and Clyde. She looks like she still has the blood of her newborn baby in her mouth. Fuck! <laughs> uh, take that picture and put it to the side for me for after, because I'll post it when I post the episode. All right. Just so people can know which one we're doing. There were a lot of shaky times with being really poor like that. Uh, in 1938, when Elvis was two or three, Vernon and Gladys lose the house. Now, actually, Vernon had been caught altering a check written by his landowner and sometimes employer, Orville Bean. Orville was meant to buy a hog from Vernon, Gladys's brother, Travis Smith, and their friend, Leather, Leather Gable. All three men owned one pig, which I find fun. Uh, Orville gave them a check for less than the agreed upon amount, an ample sum of $4, which... I looked that up. They, that's $82.92 in 2022 money, which, and I also looked it up how much a pig costs now, and you can get a low cost pig for like 50 bucks now. So really, yeah, that's the low end, just like pig. You can get them up to about 250 a pig too. Like the what, nice pig what models of pig are out there. There's, yeah. There's, <laughs> lo- there's like uh, eating pigs, like the big hogs you eat. There's milking pigs for pig milk. There's wait, what? <laughs> pig milk. <laughs> There's breeder pigs. There's just different kinds of pigs. Okay. But the low cost ones are 50 bucks. What I was just thinking, like that might've been a fair price for a hog Vernon and would sell. But how do I know? I don't really know. But I know him and his friends, Vernon and his friends altered the check to say it was worth much more. Not confirmed, but I've seen Vernon and company change the amount of the check to $18 from $4. I've also seen they change the amount to somewhere all the way up to $40. $40 seems more likely to me because it was a $4 check and you just got to put a zero. I don't know how $18 gets into that. Like how you just change the eight, the four to an eight and put a one in front of it. That seems a lot harder than just making it $40. Anyways, regardless, Vernon and friends were caught. And soon after the three men were sentenced to three years in the Mississippi state penitentiary at parchment. So what wow. I should have said earlier was that Vernon went to jail and Gladys lost the house. <laughs> okay, that's a more interesting. I thought they were so stupid. They literally just lost their house. <laughs> like, they were just like, oh, 
fuck like they went out one day and came back to nowhere it's, it's like when you park in the wrong spot at the yeah mall. You're like i thought it was by the red tree yeah. no They're it's not Vernon. going miles up and down county routes trying their keys <laughs> in different doors like sorry yeah. i thought it was mine so elvis and gladys move in with relatives uh, elvis lived a, in a predominantly black neighborhood one of elvis's biggest musical influence came from his formidable years in his tupelo neighborhood February 6th, 1939, Vernon was released from jail for good behavior, only eight months. 1945, a 10-year-old Elvis had his first singing performance at the uh, Radio Talent Contest at the Mississippi-Alabama Fair and Dairy Show. One of Elvis's teachers, Oletta Grimes, was so impressed with the singing that she took him to the principal, who then signed him up for the contest. Now, it was like I said, it was a singing competition and little Elvis had to stand on a chair to reach the microphone to sing his rendition of Red Foley's country song, Old Shep. Aw, the cute little 10 year old placed fifth in that competition. In school, Elvis was considered an average student and a loner. He started playing guitar after he got one on his 11th birthday. Vernon Poorsley, I <laughs> get it, couldn't afford a rifle or a bike. Those are the two things that Elvis wanted. So he, but he could afford the $12.95 guitar. So he convinced Elvis to get the guitar instead. That's $150-ish now money. So that's a lot for, if you're poor, you know, that's a lot. Yeah. Elvis uh, took the guitar, learning basic chords from a couple of uncles and their new youth pastor, Frank Smith, at his uh, church, the Assembly of God Church. Yep, this is where the molestation starts. <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> Youth pastor. It was him and his family. Been going there for years. It was a black church, a gospel church. The gospel music from the uh, going to church as a boy was another one of his big musical influences. Uh, later on, he wins three Grammys in his life, all for gospel songs, like all Christian songs. That's the only Grammys he ever won. So gospel still kept it up as he got older. Elvis, I just want to point this out. Elvis wasn't like, really that good at guitar ever never got super good like he he did know like three chords and like could play music to a point but he's not like axel rose or something crazy like that right he was just a rhythm guitar guy and like by the end of his career it, his guitar was more of like a prop that he had on his around his neck than anything else he barely even played it but he played it enough to get famous with it don't get me wrong like he was a musician it's just he wasn't crazy with it i just want people to understand that you heard it here, folks. Uh, in this episode of Private Dicks, Richard thinks he's better at guitar than Elvis. <laughs> I can't even play guitar. I'm just reading about uh, his guitar skills weren't that... Uh, never wrote shit. He copied shit. Anyways, from 1946, grade six and on, Elvis would bring his guitar to school uh, as he went to a new school. Before this, Elvin didn't sing in front of people except for that once at that fair when he was really young. Uh, Elvis got obsessed with a guy named Mississippi Slim. And he was a hillbilly guitar player and singer who had a radio program in Tupelo. Elvis learned to sing and play like him. And Mississippi Slim is what Elvis would play at school every day at lunch. Elvis would be singing and playing for all who wanted to listen. Turns out no one wanted to listen. Uh, and Elvis got teased for being the trashy kid who played hillbilly music. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's like a badge of honor now. Vernon and Gladys were getting into a worse and worse financial situation. And then they decide that they need to move north to Memphis to look for work. 
before they leave on November 6th, 1948, Elvis pulls out his guitar on his last day of his old school and plays and sings Leaf on a Tree for his Milan Junior High class as a farewell. He got lots of applauses and then he realized, fuck, I probably should have played some more stuff earlier. I would have been popular. <laughs> and he never really got any. He just left as everyone adored him, like taken out of the school. Elvis was enrolled after that at L.C. Humes High School. This was a new school and Elvis went back to being a loner of sorts. Nobody has new school knew about his musical abilities. He decided he's leaving the guitar at home this time. I don't really want to be called the hillbilly guy. Uh, in fact, famously in high school, Elvis got a C in music class. And this is when he got pissed about that. Uh, so he, he wanted to prove to his teacher he didn't deserve a C. So he actually brought his guitar to school that day and played uh, a song in music class. All that got Elvis was a matching C to go with his original C and bullied for being a mama's boy. <laughs> the music teacher made fun of him and didn't like his music style. Uh, told him right in front of class. It wasn't all that bad, though, Memphis. Uh, Memphis is a big city. It had a big music scene. Uh, the Presley apartment was downtown, so Elvis had access to many venues around the city to go watch national acts. Uh, Elvis also had a group of other kids around his age that all played music together. Plus, he got exposed to a new mix of all different kinds of music uh, from the local downtown music scene and also the multitude of different radio stations that Memphis had to offer versus the Tupelo hillbilly guy. Like that's basically what they had. Surprised it took that long for someone to expose him to something considering he had a youth pastor. <laughs> oh, he got exposed to music classes. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Elvis also was considered a really weirdly stylish guy in high school. He got, he had a signature style. He got stylish around then. Uh, he started dressing differently like uh, dress pants. I was looking at his outfits when he was like young dress pants with like stripes down the side, which is funny. Uh, a bolero jacket, you know, those fucking jackets that like go just past your tits and they go around. Like, it's just like a half jacket. <laughs> you ever see those bolero jackets? Uh, I'm going to look it up now though. And he started growing sideburns. Yeah. Look up bolero. You'll, you'll laugh. I was wear that shit unironically. A lot of leather daddy pics. Just FYI. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, in April 1953, his senior year at high school, he was one of 22 people who enrolled in the Humes High Annual Minstrel. He sang and played guitar and blew the socks off everyone. He won that competition. Uh, and then for the last, I don't know, April, May, June, he, the last couple months of school, he, he was the most popular kid in school. He's very popular. He even said like, wow, I wish I would have known. You did know. You talked about this earlier. Mr. Presley, the way that you applied that shoe polish to your face, <laughs> I have to say, was the finest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, June 1953, Elvis graduates Humes High School with his sights on becoming a musician. Uh, in the meantime, Elvis had to get some day jobs. Uh, all throughout high school, actually, Elvis had a bunch of different jobs. And he just continued that past high school. He had all sorts of jobs. Like he was a truck driver. He worked in a machinist shop. He was an usher at the Toes State Theater. A bunch of different things. Nothing really stuck. He wanted to just play music. So a couple months after school was over on August 2nd, the 18-year-old Elvis went to Sun Records to record himself. At the offices of Sun Records, for $3.98, you could record and press a two-sided record of your own to bring home. 
Uh, Elvis later in his life said that he recorded that record as a present for his mother and to hear how he sounded on acetate or on vinyl or whatever. It wasn't vinyl back then. It was acetate. Uh, historians actually dispute this, though, because half the price, like for like $2 up the street, you could record yourself and get a record the same way. But at Sun Records, he was going there to get discovered. He wanted to get discovered, so he paid double the price. That's what historians say. Elvis says opposite, so I'm not really sure what to say on that. He recorded his rendition of My Happiness, and that's when your heartache begins. And I'm not going to lie, I put this music on, I, I was because they still exist, these recordings, and I played them. And Elvis walked into a record studio and did that. That's pretty crazy. This is when I started to like Elvis. I, I don't like his music per se, but I, I understand why he became huge for what he was. Like for at 18, that's crazy. I'm going to be honest. I still do not understand why he became so famous. Okay. Well, this, this whole episode's for is perfect. You're going to get educated. He made children horny. On a side note, yeah, he did actually make children horny. On a side note, quick side note, I write these original drafts for these episodes chronologically. So I don't want to continue. I don't want to start here and say, like, I really like Elvis all the way through. I'm just saying I liked Elvis here. Okay. <laughs> I just want you guys all to understand. Noted. Sam Phillips, the boss of Sun Records, uh, is the one who records Elvis that day. Afterwards, Phillips tells his assistant, Marion Kesker, Keisker, something that made her write down in her notes, quote, good ballad singer, dot hold. No record deal that day. Just a nice present for his mom. So Elvis went back to working his various jobs for a couple of months. I think at this point, he's a truck driver. And then in January, so about six months after he's done school, 1954, Elvis brings another $3.98 and gets another album pressed. Still nothing happens, but Sam Phillips is there and he's taking more notice of this singer. During this time, Sam Phillips was looking for a white guy that could take quote unquote black music and make it popular for a white audience. Here's a Sam Phillips quote. If I could get a white man who had the Negro sound and the Negro feel, I could make a billion dollars. Did he make a billion dollars? In equivalent guaranteed. I hate that he was right about that. Guaranteed. They're still making money off of Elvis. So I do think there's a racial element to this, but I also think Sam Phillips was a businessman. He had been trying to sell blues and rock music, rock and roll already to white audience, but it just wasn't working out. So I think Sam Williams wasn't racist completely, just greedy and realistic of the market. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Um, Everyone else was so racist that he wasn't going to fucking be able to sell it. So he needed a white guy to make money. You excusing racism? Yes, that makes complete sense. <laughs> I'm not excusing uh, racism. Show, by a show of hands, who, who thought uh, Richard would try to make this okay? Yep, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I I got more to it. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. He just wanted to manipulate the racists into listening to quote unquote black music without the racist guy feeling guilty for liking music that came from a black man. And I'm sure he donated all of his proceeds to the NAACP. Oh, that's why you like it now, because you don't feel guilty anymore. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Never felt guilty. He was just he was giving he was giving black people. He was paying them an exposure. No. Uh, see this is like the power ranger i went into this yeah. i went into this being like super racist but there's super lots of people that say if it wasn't for elvis wait did you say you went into this being super racist i also no, heard that is, thinking this is going to be super racist you i skipped the word where you said that you went into this <laughs> super racist okay whatever that's what i meant for sure let's just move on then 
Uh, that's not what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm listening. You're good. You're good. No, no. You guys are like taking what I'm saying and manipulating it to make me sound racist instead of actually having a conversation. Man, we're not actually having a conversation. That's not a conversation. I'll tell you what, I'm doing that, but I'm not breaking a sweat doing it. I was just reiterating what I heard to make sure I heard it correctly. If I heard it incorrectly, I am sorry. Okay. Are we not allowed to have this conversation? <laughs> this is a real conversation. <laughs> am I not allowed to have this conversation? The only play. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, because this I I I legitimately came into this going like Elvis is super racist, stealing black people's music. But in uh-huh. reality, what a lot of people, not me, fucking black people, Chuck D <laughs> like specifically goes, if they didn't have Elvis then no one would have heard this music ever. <laughs> so Elvis actually helped integration. It made it black people be able to be noticed because rock and roll became popular. So wait, are we saying... We're not saying anything. I'm saying things. You say whatever you okay. want to say. Okay, so then in not the ether, are these people, are these other random articles that you read, are people arguing that because he claimed to like black people, it's okay that he stole their music? He didn't Is that the music, argument? Though. He didn't steal their music, though. Long, oh, I thought you just said story stole short, their music. Long story short, black people, you're welcome, signed Richard Stoodle. What? <laughs> this is what I mean. This isn't a conversation. You're just changing it to that and racist. This, isn't a, this is like a useless conversation. Uh, it's not. I, I understand what you're saying. Do I think it's heavily problematic? I'm, and am I cool with it? Like, no, like, I still think, like, yes, I understand why it would be, like, sort of this, like, Ouroboros type thing where, you know, oh, had they not had that type of music exposed to them, would they then actually, you know, even ever enjoy Black artists? Would Black artists get the same level of claim? No, probably not. But is it also fucked up to make money by literally just saying you're going to do what other people are doing instead of just giving those people the opportunity and making people sit with it you know what i mean like it's still fucked up i mean i don't I, think I, put it this way i don't think elvis was racist <laughs> okay i elvis do think himself, i do think the record companies were 100 i don't think i mean i'm sure he wasn't doing it like ah, i'll pull one over on these you know what i mean but it's 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 by ignorance at best i think no but i think i, I elvis grew up around this stuff but Elvis, Elvis, listen, this, he was just emulating what he heard. It's not like he was, everyone was copying everyone's music. It's not like people yeah, were just no, taking. I, uh, right. But, but like, if I were to just full on start talking in AAV, like then, yeah, I'm just doing what I'm hearing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's still like, it's still fucked up, you know, to appropriate culture. It doesn't, I'm not saying that Elvis was evil, but he was ignorant still. I, I'm, but I'm also hearing your opinion i'm not totally deaf to it i saw my opinion i'm telling you i'm just reading out what i like i don't even know what to think that's what i'm saying like i'm in the middle on the whole thing because well well i'm sorry the the framework before i wasn't (laughs) i'm not i'm not trying to to fuck with you now i that you went into it thinking elvis was a vehement racist and are coming out of it you know less thinking that i think yeah i think the record companies made like are the racist ones were yeah, they I'm trying just... to be racist though? I think they were just trying to make a shit ton of money, but it was super racist what they did. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think people right. were like, and... I don't think the KKK owned Sun Records. 
You know what I mean? Like, no, of course not. But like, but it's but it's systemic still. So like, what you have is Elvis, who's yeah, okay. You want to call him a cog in the machine? He's a pretty big fucking cog. He's still the one who profited and became famous off of it. You know what I mean? When rightfully speaking, if it wasn't for the fact that people had a problem with just seeing black people, that should have been a black person. Of course. You know what I mean, yeah, of course. Of course, and that's that's what I'm trying to say. That's what's hard about the whole thing is because it was a different fucking time that people. I'm not excusing the time. I'm just saying like, I don't think anybody would have. Like, I don't think anybody could have boiled to the top right. as a black person like that, like Elvis. I just, I mean, yeah, I, be, I mean, of course not because though I think that's a, still a willful choice. I don't think that just happens unless people are like hard no and then the people in power are also like yeah also hard no i mean you, you know you tell me sam phillips couldn't have just been like no you'll take this and you'll like it and yeah maybe they don't but you could still keep trying that rather than being like hey we'll just settle on doing it but with a white guy because that's more palatable for sure for sure and that's what i'm saying the record companies Elvis grew up around black people that's the thing like i never do all this stuff i thought he yeah. was just taking black people song music and just being like, ah, it's mine now. And the record companies went, that's gold, Jerry. Then no, they brought him music. And went, you do this better than the other guy. And he went, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw that. That's what I'm saying is I just, I'll grant him, you know, guilty by ignorance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I'll, I'll keep moving on here. Um, Sam Phillips is like, if I could find a white guy idea, yeah, he didn't really think of who he could do that with until uh, January 5th, 1954. And then he thought of Elvis. He went, oh, yeah, that Elvis kid. This is a billion dollars right there. Uh, so his assistant, Marion, calls Elvis to the studio to perform a Jimmy Sweeney song to see if Elvis could do it justice. And this is my script. Do we know who Jimmy Sweeney is? Of course not. He's a black musician from the 50s. Uh, my high school gym teacher, actually. <laughs> that ass. That's his name. Not even joking. Jimmy Sweeney. That's hilarious. Wow. Jim Sweeney. Yeah. Way to dox your gym teacher. Yeah, yes. that's all right. He was a douche. <laughs> Apparently, the conversation when uh, Marion called Elvis went a little like this. Uh, we need you to record a song. How quickly can you get here? Marion asks. And Elvis famously replies, I was there before she hung up the phone. So he was just waiting for his chance. And then according to Phillips, Elvis couldn't do the Sweeney song justice, but he was still convinced Elvis had some sort of something going on in there. So he convinced Elvis to stick around for a little bit and sing all the songs you know. Sing whatever you got. Phillips was hyper impressed by Elvis so impressed that Elvis set up a recording session with two studio musicians uh, guitarist Winfield Scotty Moore and upright bass player Bill Black and in with Elvis to record some songs a couple days later that recording session went into the night and much to Sam Phillips's chagrin nothing was really clicking uh, just as they're about to abort the session and call it a night Elvis takes out his guitar and launches into a 1946 song by Arthur Crudup called That's All Right. Have you ever heard of Arthur Crudup? I'm shaking my head for the listeners. I didn't think so. Another black musician from the 40s. I, I understand. This is what I'm saying. I get it. These fucking people should be uh, understood and heard more. But no, Elvis made them famous. Playing That's All Right, Elvis just gets comfortable and acts crazy, singing and dancing behind his guitar. Bill Black notices something special is going up, so he picks up his bass and starts doing the same. And before they knew it, the trio was recording something that would put Elvis on the map. Sam Phillip knew it was something special, 
and he took it to the recording and played it over the phone to a local DJ who, after hearing Elvis, decided he'd give him a play on the radio. Three days later, DJ Dewey Phillips was playing That's All Right on his radio uh, show, and it was an instant hit. Many people called the station and asked if Elvis was a black man. So DJ Dewey sets up an interview with the 18-year-old Elvis. And when he interviews Elvis, he makes sure to ask him what school he went to. Dewey was white. And with segregation, questioning the, old, uh, the school Elvis went to would make sure that the radio audience knew that Elvis was white without ever having to come out and ask it directly. In Memphis, during high school, Elvis lived in a white neighborhood, hence he went to a white school. His career moved fast from there on in. The trio of Moore, Black, and Presley needed a B-side for the album, so the next day they recorded Blue Moon of Kentucky. Bill Monroe, the guy who originally wrote and recorded uh, Blue Moon of Kentucky, re-recorded himself doing the song the way Elvis did because he admitted Elvis had done it better. Now, I only tell you that part because I do want to say that Elvis was actually a talented musician. I know I said he wasn't good at guitar, but he was good at guitar to make famous enough. Uh, and he just wasn't just some fuck boy for the Sun Studios. Like he actually, I, I would give him talent. I'm not just saying he just, they saw a good looking guy and said, here, do some songs. He was good at what he did. The, f uh, the fact that he was white though, uh, did help him a lot. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think that, I, I think that's not going unnoticed. Uh, the trio had their first live show on July 17th at the Bonaire Club. Uh, Elvis still had his child-sized guitar that he played with. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, child-sized what he was playing with? Yeah, guitar. Oh, okay. All Wait, right. during during this, while we're, while we're going off track, sure. um, when people were listening on the radio, is that like a, a very local thing or is that heard like quite no, far? No, it's very local from what he, by this point, you'll see in a second, he's not, he's famous in like Tennessee and uh, West Texas. He's not really super far into the States yet, but he is kind of famous. In no, his no, region. Rick, he was, he was playing on Sirius XM. Yeah. So people were able yeah. to figure out like there, I mean, there was obviously no Google, right? It was just like someone heard the school and they're like, oh, all right, th that man's white. So then I, they like didn't change the radio station. Well, they would buy his album. They could admit to his friends they liked it. Yeah, exactly. Same thing with um. I did another good parallel of that is Eminem and and that whole thing when, at least when I was growing up. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know how old you were, Richard, when Eminem yeah, was a thing for sure. High school when his first album came yeah. out. It was like an excusable rap to listen to for even though it's it was the most like brutal shit that existed. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's just same story. Yeah, but he looks like a nice guy. But it's it's so it's, it's systemic. I I agree. That's why I was, it's just a hard conversation to have with a bunch of white guys when there's no black guys here. Um, well, they don't know. I mean, you don't know what school I went to. <laughs> Damn, that was very good. I'm Some people are only anything. listening to us. I just want to clarify. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. All right. By the end of the month, Elvis Moore and Black were opening for Slim Whitman. Do you guys know who Slim Whitman is? No. Yeah, well, Slim White Man was a white country music artist at the time. I'm surprised you guys don't know that one. When Elvis opened... <laughs> Pal, if you think I know any fucking country music singers... <laughs> the guy from Breaking Bad? Is that who yeah, he's wrong named guy. after? Wrong guy, but close. Okay. When Elvis opened up for this guy, this is where Elvis started pioneering his, his famous... What he's famous for is rubber legs. That, like, hip dance thing that Elvis is known for. Bob Neal who was another radio DJ in Memphis, 
was promoting Elvis on the radio and booking him live gigs. Sun Records boss Sam Phillips set up Bob as Elvis's de facto manager. August through October, the three played many live shows, also while returning to Sun Studios for many recording sessions. They're very busy. They also get a part-time drummer, DJ Fontana, and Elvis got uh, rid of his child-sized guitar and bought himself a Martin instrument for $175 of their time. Oh, he finally decided to start playing with adult-sized things? Yeah, finally. Elvis and company were booked at the Louisiana Hayride radio show on October 16th, 1954, to a very tepid response. Uh, And its heyday, Hayride was a pretty big deal to be a part of. Tepid response or not, Elvis was signed on to a one-year contract uh, at Hayride for future appearances. Uh, DJ Fontana was Hayride's house drummer, and he added a new element to Elvis. The old gyrate your hips while the drummer bangs out a beat routine. You know that whole, you ever see that in pop culture where like a drummer hits the beat and like, ooh, bamp, and then they like move? Yeah, Elvis started doing that. Sexy. 1955. On January 1st, radio DJ and show promoter Bob Neal was officially hired as Elvis's manager. March 3rd, 55, Elvis made his first television appearance on the television version of the Louisiana Hayride. Uh, with all the touring and live performances, his songs playing on radio, Elvis was already a regional star from Tennessee to West Texas. Side note, after his final appearance in Hayride in 1956, MC Horace Logan announced to his audience the famous phrase, Elvis has left the building. I'm sure you guys have heard that before. That was from Hayride. Around the time of the Tennessee to West Texas fame is when Bob Neal introduces Elvis to Colonel Tom Parker. The Colonel was considered the best promoter in the music business. Colonel Parker was given his title honorarily by a country music star turned Louisiana governor, Jimmy Davis. So I didn't know you could just do that. I didn't know if you were a governor, you could just be like, you're a Colonel now. (laughs) That's that's what happened. Can you still do that? I don't know. I don't know, but that's how he got his colonelism, his colonelists, colonel. American knight. Yeah, exactly. The Colonel Parker was already promoting country music star Eddie Arnold, so he decided to take Elvis and book the up-and-coming king of rock and roll to open for his current star. In August 1955, Elvis re-signed his contract with Bob Neal as his manager, but he also appointed Colonel Parker as his special advisor. I don't know, man. That sounds weird to me. (laughs) It's like having a life coach. Because his fame was growing so quickly, believe it or not, Elvis had a hard time getting his music on the radio stations. Not because they weren't popular, just because people didn't know what Elvis was doing. He played in so many different genres. Like some songs sounded too R&B and jazzy, so they couldn't be played on the country stations. The R&B stations wouldn't play him because he sounded too much like a hillbilly. The hillbilly thing came back. Around this time is when DJ Fontana leaves Hayride permanently to join the trio as a full band member and tour extensively. On November 10th, 1955, Presley was voted the year's most promising male artist at the country music disc jockey convention. I love these old ass conventions. Like there's so much shit like that, that just went away. You know, they probably all smelled like absolute farm animal shit like just like pig shit oh, yeah. and hay like oh for sure anything with country in the name like there's no way it's not just built out of hay bales and shit <laughs> i 
I bet the CMT movie award or whatever the fuck they are, or country music awards. I bet those still smell like pig shit. They probably like spritz it in artificially just to like give you the vibe. It's got like a candle, the pig shit candle. Yeah, exactly. You got to respect culture. Yeah, it, sure. smells, it smells like fucking Budweiser and pig shit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, home. Uh, but after Elvis's win at the uh, country music disc jockey convention, several record companies recording Elvis. Uh, three major labels offered Elvis $25,000 to sign with their labels. That's $272,000 in change in purchasing power today. Elvis didn't take any of those. He held back because uh, Colonel told him to. And on November 21st, 1955, Colonel Parker and Sam Phillips helped Elvis get signed with RCA Records for a record-breaking $40,000. That is $435 and change $1,000 today. Sun Records actually got 35000 of that, and Elvis got 5000 So, good job. That's what I mean. They made a billion dollars off of Elvis, no problem. Uh, Elvis was, at this time, 20 years old and still a minor. So, he had to get his dad, Vernon, to come and sign his record contract for him. That's, isn't that funny that he was still a minor and couldn't do certain things? Let's talk about Elvis in a bit. <laughs> Couldn't do things as a minor, but boy, howdy, what he did to minors. <laughs> by December, RCA was already promoting their new young artist. And by the end of December, they already reissued five of Elvis's son recordings onto their label's recordings. Elvis didn't have a chance to hit the studio, and he was already getting backing from the studios. 1956, on January 10th, just two years after recording his first acetate with Sam Phillips at Sun Records, Elvis, Moore, Black, and a whole slew of other people, uh, including a new guitarist, three backup singers, all entered RCA Studios to cut an album. What they came out with was Heartbreak Hotel, which was released as a single on January 27th. That's just over two weeks later. This is Elvis's first number one hit. By April, it had hit number one on the pop charts, the number one on the country charts, number five on the R&B charts. Elvis is growing huge quickly at this point. Very, very, his popularity, this is starting to get countrywide now. And Bob Neal didn't really like the, the how everything was playing out. He, did, he was still a DJ and he, he had a record store and he didn't really like the lifestyle. So he, he didn't, he decided not to renew his contract as Elvis's manager. But guess who stepped up to the plate right away? The Colonel. I'll take that over. No problem. Soon after, on March 23rd, Elvis's self-titled album is released, just called Elvis. It ends up being released, and it's his first number one album. This album had the song Blue Suede Shoes on it, which was his big hit at the time. Uh, Elvis has his first national television appearance on Stage Show, which was a weekly variety show hosted by Tommy and Jimmy Dorsey. So that's really his first national people all like to claim it but it's not it's uh tommy and jimmy they did it first uh, not long after on april 3rd elvis does the milton burl show where he performs blue suede shoes milton kept calling him the wrong name and i'm going to show you this video uh, i don't know if i should show you this video because it does have music on it but i feel like elvis is probably in public domain by now i don't know thank you ladies and gentlemen now i got a little surprise for you here for his very first public appearance, I'd like you to meet my twin brother, Melvin Presley. Melvin? <laughs> That's fucking awkward. <laughs> That's it. 
This is funny. Yeah, it would have been hilarious if it didn't actually have a twin brother that died. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Hello, friends of Radio Land. Radio Land. Radio Land, this is television. Mel Melvin? Milton or Melvin? Melvin. Must have another brother, too. Te television? What the heck is that? Well, it's a little box. Yeah. It's got a window in it. Yeah. Millions of people out there. And they're looking in a little window. Yeah. They can see you, but you can't see them. What a dirty peeping toms. <laughs> But Alvin, you're wonderful. And can keep buying them records, will you, folks? Mel, uh, who's you? Elvis. <laughs> Elvis. Hot dog. Elvis needs the money. Well, I'll tell you, she's mighty proud to be here on this ship here, the Yushin Coke. And I want you to know the Yushin Coke. Yushin Coke? Yushin Coke. That's what it says on the side of the boat. U-S-S-H-A-N-C-O-C-K. Yushin Coke. <laughs> what's the matter? I know how to spell. That's U-S-S Hancock, Melvin. <laughs> Keep buying them records. <laughs> I'm real proud of you, Elvis. Anyways, uh, I just like how Elvis isn't famous enough to even give a fuck what his name is yet. Uh, they fucked up that bit so bad and didn't even like try to recover. Yeah. yeah. When do you think? When do you think people started getting funny? I'm I'm tempted to say like Richard Pryor. Like once nah, Richard uh, Pryor started performing, that's when like people didn't have to fake laugh at stuff. No, what was that? What was that guy's? Uh, why can't I think of it? Couldn't have been that funny. Um, Who's that guy that got in trouble for like saying profanities on stage like in the 50s? He was around. Oh, the same Lenny time. Bruce. Yeah, whatever Lenny he Bruce. sucks. Uh, he's fine. He's not hilarious, but he was making poignant points. Nah, it was Richard Pryor. Lenny Bruce was white though, right? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's that's also part of it. I mean, I, I subscribe to the ideology that um only black people are funny. So top five, three out of them are black, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I, I just, I, I find that hilarious. But Elvis is growing so fast. Like, it's only been two years. He's on Milton Berle. Milton Berle's fucking up his name. But then right after this, three days after that Milton Berle appearance, Elvis gets signed on with, for a seven-movie deal. Seven movies. They just, good-looking young guy, white as shit. Here's seven movies, bud. That's crazy to me. Never been in a movie before in his life. And he's only been, has one album out. Damn. That's like a Marvel movie deal. Yeah, except for it's like all Elvis movies instead of Marvel movies, which are like romantic comedies with like song breaks in between. Like, yeah, terrible. fuck it, dude. Let's bring back the ECU. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his his buddy Colonel Parker got him that. And his pal, I like to say pal, like this Colonel Parker was a piece of shit. Uh, I'll just say it off top here. He like took advantage of Elvis's idiocy and raked him over the coal, stole most a lot of his money. Like early in his career, 25% of his like anything Elvis got paid went to him for a manager fee, which is very high. 10, 15%. I've seen 20, but that's high too. 10, 15% for a manager promoter fee. By the end of Elvis's career, he was taking half, 50% of all Elvis's shit. Took advantage of mm. Elvis being a moron. Damn. Everyone's getting exploited here. 
The story about his first movie deals was actually Paramount came looking for Elvis to offer him the contract. Of course, the colonel hammered out the details. The first movie, Elvis would get paid $20,000, second, $25,000, and so on until the seventh film where they'd pay him 100 k And this was just the start of a long movie career for Elvis that spanned 33 movies, 32, which he was top billing. Uh, I'm not going to mention all the movies throughout this thing. I'm just going to mention a few here and there, but just remember 33 starring or 32 starring roles. Once he was billed second on the bill. So basically star of 33 movies and they all fucking sold huge movie star. Uh, He wasn't yet, but he will be very soon. So Elvis and gang were playing more shows than ever in bigger, bigger audiences. They were booked at the Sands Casino in Las Vegas from April 23rd to May 6th that year. Uh, as the special guest though so elvis didn't even have a name on the billing and then the shows fucking bombed they did not do well but while in las vegas elvis went out to see other acts performing in town all right and then in vegas this is where elvis first heard the song hound dog he saw freddie bell and the bell boys play the song and he loved it so much that he almost instantly picked up his guitar practiced and practiced till he knew all the guitar lyrics don't worry the white Freddie Ball and the Bell Boys were already already stole it from a black person, so Elvis was stealing it from a white person this time. Cool. He was liberating it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't uh, want to steal it. He had to. Yeah, a, a woman no less, a black woman no less. So Big Mama Thornton actually wrote Hound Dog. It was a hit the year wow. before. A month after hearing the Bell Boys do the song, Elvis was doing it as a closer at all of his shows. On June 5th, 1956, Elvis does the Milton Berle show again, and this time he performs Hound Dog. Burl backstage tells Elvis, just leave your guitar backstage and go, quote, let them see you. So Elvis did just that. His hip gyrations pissed off so many people that it made national headlines. The New York Times and the New York Daily News both wrote articles slamming him and his sensuous dance moves, calling him vulgar and obscene. He even got the nickname Elvis the Pelvis, which he hated. And he kept it for, he had it for a long time in his life. I think it's very good. Elvis the Pelvis is funny. Yeah, hell yeah, because it's a music thing fell off and then porn, you know, wasn't that yeah. whatever. <laughs> he could just fucking slide right into that with his juicy hips. Yeah, Magic Mike would be named Elvis the Pelvis. <laughs> After Elvis's second performance on the Milton Berle, Ed Sullivan saw the show. Uh, Ed Sullivan, the Ed Sullivan show was the highest rated variety show on television at the time. And Ed, Ed Sullivan saw him on Milton Berle and he went on his show and he said, I will never put Elvis on my show calling him unfit for family viewing. So he's telling people he's basically pornographic for shaking his hips. I Fuck, man, the 50s. 40s, it's so 50s. funny what these people pick and choose, too, because then they'll, like, do, like, that shit where they, like, sexualize children. And I know I always bring everything to this, but, like, that is, like, an old, like, gag. Like, oh, you, you know. You meeting any any young any any ladies out there and they're talking to like a five-year-old boy and shit, but then like get upset with a grown man swaying his hips. No, I know. It's it's they just pick and choose. It's it's oh so crazy God. that that was like that's the thing you guys are worried about. Man, I I like while I want a cure for cancer, there's just too many people out there that deserve it. <laughs> I want to be able to direct cancer. How's that? Yeah, that would be sick. <laughs> yeah, so that made national headlines. Elvis is shit. Elvis is like scared he's going to lose his career after all this. So on July 1st, 1956, Elvis goes on the Steve Allen show where Allen and Elvis make fun of the whole scandal by getting Elvis to come on the show in a tuxedo. And then he sings Hound Dog without the hip gyrations to a basset hound wearing a top hat. 
Not even joking. <laughs> Do you want to see that video? I could show you. <laughs> I would I would love to see a basset hound in a top hat. I mean that uh that alone's worth a looky loo. God damn it. Here's here's a good picture of it. Can you see the little basset hound there? Oh uh, yeah. So they may look Elvis in a talk with a fucking top hat. Oh, I would have been <laughs> all in. What a beautiful. That's color. all it took. I actually don't give a shit about him, but the fact that this dog is wearing a top hat, I see why he blew up. It's top over. five ways to cure racism. Now <laughs> uh, Elvis later calls this performance the most ridiculous thing he ever did in his career, but he did it because he didn't want people to hate him and he wanted to sell albums. I think it's I think it's because he didn't want to be called Elvis the pelvis. That's just me. <laughs> yeah. So you took you took a, a horny as fuck song and then and then made it about an actual dog, <laughs> as if it didn't just seem like you wanted to fuck the dog, man. Like, <laughs> but it's a visual pun. It's too much. Okay. The next day, literally the next day, Elvis records Hound Dog. He hadn't had it recorded yet. And on July thirteenth, Hound Dog is released as a B side of Don't Be Cruel. Hound Dog would be on the top of the charts for 11 weeks, a record that wouldn't be beaten for another 36 years. After Elvis's episode of Steve Allen beat the ratings of Ed Sullivan's show that night, Sullivan suddenly changed his mind as to what family-friendly viewing was. Uh, mm. In fact, Elvis was paid $50,000 to appear on Ed Sullivan, uh, the Ed Sullivan show three times, more money than any performer had ever been paid to be on that show. Mm. I would have waived my fee and told Ed Sullivan he has to suck my dick in the dressing room. <laughs> but like, but like also go back out on camera with my cum dribbling out of the corner of his mouth. Do a cum walk. You have to come walk back on yeah. the stage. Yeah. Uh, hey, Ed, this is my dick. I call him family. I want you to get real friendly with him. <laughs> so September 9th, 1956 was his first appearance on Ed Sullivan. Uh, 60 million viewers watched as Elvis did what Sullivan said he would never do, be a guest on Ed Sullivan. 60 million of viewers at the time was 82.6% of the viewing audience. Funny part to me is Ed Sullivan, Sullivan didn't host that night. Uh, actor Charles Lawton hosted as Ed was recovering from a car accident. Car accident, more like a sore throat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ed Sullivan did actually get in a pretty bad car accident. There's things that said he almost lost his head, like he was in a full on head head on collision. So uh, I looked it up. I was like, did he just make that up because he was pissed that this producers made him uh, get Elvis on the show after saying that? But no, he actually was in hospital for a long time. Good. Funniest, funniest part about the whole thing is that even though Ed Sullivan said Elvis would never appear on a show, the Elvis episode was one of the most popular episodes of the entire series. And Ed Sullivan wasn't even on it. They did use creative camera work, though. I did find this funny for his first two times on that Sullivan, what they would do is that every time his legs started like pelvising, once he started pelvising, they would like pan slowly up to just his like waist to his head, but they still got the pelvising. Like they just tried to like slowly get out of it, but you still got it assholes. Like you did, you, you might as well just kept it there, you know? Yeah. This is a problem with conservatism on television though, especially in America is it's always like proven hilariously fucking wrong. Like, just a few decades later. Yeah. It's kind of like, you remember Sinead O'Connor when she yeah. uh, did that she thing? Where she ripped up the Pope, yeah. Yeah, and then Joe Pesci went on record later saying he would have punched her in the fucking face because yeah. he hosted that night. Yeah. He, there's literally like a quote from him saying he would have committed violence against her for ripping up a picture of a guy that isn't even the fucking Pope anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like, people are so dumb. Yeah. Virtue signaling, man. 
Yeah, she, Portia Day, she got she got fucking blackballed after that too. Oh, so. railroaded. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's completely fucked up. Yeah, Portia Day. Because really, like now all the shit that we're hearing uh, about this stuff has mm-hmm. anyways i feel bad for sinead that might be yeah. a good episode for unethical one day that would be good that would be good um yeah uh elvis didn't do hound dog his first appearance on uh ed sullivan he did love me tender which was the title of his first movie um after the show elvis was super famous this is when his fame became huge because you know why how he got famous you want to know is because everybody complained about elvis and elvis did the shit anyway and all the people loved it. It was just like the whole, tell me I'm not allowed to, so now I will. So that's how he got super famous. Everyone's like, you're not allowed to like this guy. And then everyone, you can't not like Elvis. He's very charming. He, he really is. And then when you see him on a big famous show like that, and he performs the way he does, it just, everything hit in line with Elvis perfectly, I think. I think that's how it happened, Rick. If you're asking how he got so huge, Ed Sullivan. Ed Sullivan saying, no, I'll never have him on. Where my brain one was, I was thinking, okay, he's America's resident bad boy, but did he get the current sitting president to move naval ships out to a random Japanese island for him? And if not, he was not as famous as Amelia you Earhart. Don't even know. And that's kind of where I'm ranking him right now. Do you know now. anything about Elvis? I'm going to tell you right now, Elvis did talk to a president and he did get some shit, shit asked uh, and given to him. So we'll get there. Were, uh, was it shipped? Because <laughs> there's a there's a level there's a level of like not even fame, just like pure fucking status. Like right now, Bezos could be like, "Yo, I need to take this bridge down for my yacht," and people would be like, "Okay, thank you for coming." Like, is he that level of fame? Well, I heard that that before he went on the Ed Sullivan show, and then and then after he did, you know, Ed Sullivan was like vehemently against him and didn't want any part of him but ed sullivan went on record after sucking his dick is saying uh, he cried <laughs> tears of joy and and asked to do it a second time but elvis was like no i gotta go perform and apparently his cum tasted like cinnabon icing oh i thought you're still talking about bezos that's that's straight from ed sullivan's mouth the same mouth that sucked elvis's dick a lot of things come straight from uh his mouth mm-hmm yeah, so he's super famous now. Now his live shows, Elvis's live shows are getting outrageous, like super crazy. One of his two shows at the Mississippi, Alabama Fair and Dairy Show, 50 National Guardsmen were to be added to the security force to make sure the crowd wouldn't get out of hand. So he's manipulating National Guard at this point. Uh, on October 28th, his second appearance on Ed Sullivan was much like the first one, except Ed was there. And this time he, he spoke with Elvis and he introduced Elvis. The camera do, crew, like I said, did control when and if they did see the Elvis's pelvis like they did last time. Uh, this appearance had much the same effect for Ed Sullivan and Elvis. High ratings for Ed Sullivan and Elvis's popularity grew even further. Even though the world was in love with Elvis, there were also many that hated Elvis. Uh, after his second appearance on Ed Sullivan, crowds in Nashville and St. Louis burn him in effigy meaning they made an Elvis doll and burned him in the streets. A couple weeks later, on uh, November 21st, Love Me Tender, Elvis's first movie, was released. The movie was lambasted by the critics, but was a huge blockbuster success. The movie was supposed to be originally named The Reno Brothers, but due to the popularity of Elvis and his recent hit, they changed it to Love Me Tender. All right. This gives you an idea of how famous he was. They would change the name of a movie that was already slated to come out to a song name of Elvis's because that would sell more copies. Do you know how hated this motherfucker must have been? Very. 
very very oh yeah and loved at the same time no i'm talking about by like producers and shit oh for sure for sure for sure on december 4th elvis stops into sun studios to visit a few old colleagues jerry lee lewis carl perkins and johnny cash were all there and they decided to have a little jam session elvis was buddies with johnny cash just an fyi they both respected and loved each other's music uh, at the end of 1956, RCA Records was the biggest record company in the world, and Elvis's single uh, sales accounted for over 50% of their profits. Elvis is huge. If, uh, if anybody wants to go, anybody listening to this wants to go look at Johnny Cash making fun of Elvis, there's a wicked video of Johnny Cash just fucking dancing like Elvis, making fun of Elvis's stage show. I don't know if I, I don't know if I wrote it in the script or not. I forget. I don't think I did, but go look it up. It's very funny. Johnny Cash is like spot on. It's hilarious. It's like the first fucking music beef. It makes me laugh. I'm going to, I'm going to take your uh, claim of its hilarity and divide it by that Milton Berle video. And then uh, come to my own <laughs> conclusion on how funny it is. Uh, we're in 1957 now, you prick. Uh, on January 6th, Ellis had his third and final appearance on Ed Sullivan. Uh, Sullivan producers got around the whole gyrating Elvis the pelvis by only shooting him from the shoulders up the entire time that time. Uh, of course, all that did was spur even more controversy, even though at the end of the show, Ed Sullivan calls Elvis a real decent, fine boy. So he had to eat his words and say he was a good guy on this last one, which I fucking love. <laughs> it well. ain't all he had to eat, baby. <laughs> hmm. Two days after his last Ed Sullivan appearance, Elvis is notified the Memphis draft board that Elvis would probably be drafted that year. So during 1957, a couple things happened to Elvis, a new number one movie and a number one album for one. In March of that year, Elvis bought his 18 room mansion, which is named Graceland. So when you get a house that big, do you have to name it? Is that a thing? Is it like a ship? I didn't know that. It's named Graceland. Who names the house? Who doesn't name their house, dude? I mean, like, my house is nowhere near that big, so it doesn't get that big of a name. But I still love David all the same. <laughs> okay. That is now David being woven. Smith. That is being woven into the fucking storyline of the show. David will be a fourth, the fourth character. Literally <laughs> all four walls. You can break the fourth wall of David anytime. <laughs> the mansion uh was for him and his parents to live in he bought it for 102,000 102 and change hundred two five thousand dollars that's uh, over a million of today money which isn't a crazy amount for that for a house really today you can get a two-bedroom bungalow in rj's neighborhood for one milli i'm guaranteeing that uh <laughs> oh no you're vastly overestimating the neighborhood i live in i'm just joking yeah david doesn't have that expensive of friends Elvis is only 22 at this point. I just want to give his age every once in a while, just so everyone understands. It's been literally four years since he recorded that first acetate. Graceland nowadays is a famous vacation spot for Elvis lovers out there, boasting 600,000 guests a year. This is the second most famous house in America, seconded only by the White House. In 1991, the Graceland mansion was placed on the National Register of Historic Places. So Elvis is so famous, he made a house famous. Elvis also toured a bit through 1957. His audience were getting crazier and crazier. Just one example of the craziness. At a show in Vancouver, there was a riot afterwards. Frank Sinatra had to get his two cents into slamming Elvis and his new rock and roll music, calling it, quote, brutal, ugly, degenerate, and vicious. I don't know if this was before or after Elvis was supposedly banging Nancy, his daughter, but he was banging Nancy for sure at some point. Hell yeah. Wait, his daughter? Yeah. Jesus, fuck. 
Yeah, I was 22. He's out there banging. You got you got that he meant Frank Sinatra's daughter, not his own daughter, right? Oh. Okay. Okay, much better. <laughs> Thought you meant he had a kid. He started banging his own daughter, and I was just I'm entirely confused at this point. I totally would have told you if he had a daughter by now. No, uh, Frank Sinatra's daughter, Nancy. Got right. it. I thought we skipped ahead no. a couple of years. I got. I'm I'm tracking now. On December 20th, 1957, is when Elvis finally gets his draft notice. But since he is Elvis and he's making a movie at the time, he doesn't have to go off to basic training for another four months. By early 1958, uh, only 20 months, 21 months into Elvis charting number one with Heartbreak Hotel. So less than two years since he became like actually huge. Elvis is an international superstar with uh, 10 number one hits. On March 24th, 1958, Elvis was drafted as a private at Fort Chaffee in Arkansas to much fanfare. The people who organized this didn't really think about Elvis coming that day, so they didn't really lock it down. So lots of uh, media got in there and they were taking pictures of every step of the process. Uh, Elvis didn't want to be treated any differently from anyone else, saying to the media, the army can do anything it wants with me, which I was like, dude, don't say that. (laughs) don't say that i will do everything i am mandated to do by the government for the army don't say they can do whatever they want fucking manchurian candidate i won't even say that (laughs) well if you get drafted you have no choice what are you gonna do i don't know get kicked out that's true i'm not gonna go either i'd run to canada he definitely could have just said he was gay or something back then for sure well i don't know that that would have helped him either yeah that wouldn't have ruined his career at all he would have been fine i'd have been like hey do you see my jumpsuits you really want me in those barracks with those other guys <laughs> you don't want to ask or yeah. tell me what's yeah. up he hasn't donned a jump sh- uh, a, a suit yet those come in the 70s you do not want my hips gyrating in front of your men trust me <laughs> <laughs> ask ed sullivan motherfucker elvis was really actually worried at this time that his military service would ruin his career and he wanted to get into the special services, which is the entertainment branch of the military. I didn't know they had that, but they do. But fake Colonel Parker talked him out of asking to be in the special services, said that people would respect him more if he actually served as a, as a regular soldier. You got given your colonelship by a f- colonel would know. The colonel you're, would know. You're a fucking asshole, colonel. You know what I mean? If I'm Elvis, of course I'm going to special services. Why the fuck would I want to go to the front line? I could just go sing for everyone and keep my shit going. But no, he mm-hmm. said, go to the regular service like everybody else. Oh, my God. Fucking yeah. colonel. That's his buddy, colonel. Yeah, it could have ruined his professional career. You just ask Pat Tillman. What, what does that mean? Oh, Pat Pat Tillman was the uh, NFL player that joined the military and then straight up fucking died. Oh, wow. <laughs> that yeah. sucks. Did I laugh at that? Yeah, but you know his name, so. I do, and I I mean, yeah. They, yep. All right, so Elvis did his basic training at Fort Hood in Texas. His mother, Gladys, dies not long after on August 14th, 1958. Uh, Elvis's fame unfortunately sent Gladys down a downward spile. Um, While she was living at Graceland, she was made fun of by her neighbors for doing her laundry outside. Uh, She was also told by Elvis's management team to stop feeding her chickens out on the lawn. (laughs) So she told a friend at some point, like, I wish we were, I wish we was poor again. I really do. Uh, She really liked the, the rich life. And apparently with all this excessive money, she also got into excessive drinking and she was also taking diet pills. She was diagnosed with hepatitis. And Elvis was granted leave to go see her while in basic training. She died of heart failure two days after Elvis arrived on leave. 
Elvis was never the same after his mom died. Elvis and his mom kind of had like a weird relationship. They were weird together. Like they're close, like Norman Bates close. You know, Ew, like what the fuck? Yeah, no, maybe not he Norman dressed Bates. Up like her? Not so much, but they would like speak to each other in like baby voices, like, oh, there's my mommy. How's it going, mommy? And you call her like pet names like love and shit like that. Like it's just weird. They were yeah, weird together. That is some weird shit. There's a lot of weird motherfuckers out there. That is it. <sighs> I will never understand this fucking world. I don't know. It would be pretty weird to fuck your mother. That's I mean, that doesn't even surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that you just told me that this man who was famous for, among other things, dying on a fucking toilet, talked in a baby voice to his mom after telling after telling her she can't feed her chickens on the front lawn. It's like the level of what you think is weird is so twisted in your mind that you're like, nah, no feeding animals. But I'm going to talk to you in a baby voice. That's like a weird persona thing, though, that like dudes have to this day, especially in the South, where it's like your mama is the most revered thing in your life. And uh, and I think it's probably just like a version of that for the time. Yeah. Like, I think it comes from guilt, too. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. I think it comes from like like having the twin die. I think it's like a young they, they probably babied him extra. Because the one of them died. Probably, but he probably watched his mom just fucking suffer constantly for years. Like, in a way that, like, she probably didn't show or even realize. So, like, now, you know, like, he, I mean, like, it wouldn't shock me if, like, I mean, out of how many fucking shows he had, like, you know, there weren't, like, at least tons of them where he was just like, I want to thank my mama. Oh, all of them. Guaranteed all all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Even past her death, like probably his whole career, I would imagine. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, according to the people that were close to the king, the death of Gladys had a profound effect on him for the rest of his life. And this is where I think I'll leave off for part one of El- yeah. Did Elvis fake his death. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Nailed it. I know Elvis is only 23 years old at this point, but he already lived more than half his life. So give me a break. I think we did pretty good. Uh, we learned about Elvis's youth. His rise to fame, Elvis to pelvis, call to the army, death of his mom. We went through quite a bit of stuff. Next week, we'll see Elvis get back from the army to an open-armed America, Elvis falling in love and becoming a father, and the eventual return to music from his big acting career in Hollywood. Does he become a father because he adopts his wife? <laughs> she was, uh, she was, he didn't want an old one to adopt. He wanted a young one. <laughs> then we'll also see Elvis spiral out of cultural relevance and more into cultural mockery. Elvis drug use amps up, which is eventually ends to his unfortunate death at a young age. Or did it? Did Elvis just have enough of seeing rhinestone jumpsuit wearing fans crawling through his Graceland windows and fake kill himself to get out of the limelight? We're going to have to find out next week. I'm sorry I had to do this to split in two. It's just too much. Elvis has too much. No, that's fine by me. We'll do a two-parter. We'll see how it works out in the end. What I do know, what I take away from this entire thing is right now, this is Elvis at his peak uh, and fame still doesn't even look fun. The people at the top are trashing him and he's still, he's a good thing right now. He's still popular. He still has enough juice to like fight back, but we'll see how the later in life goes. I want to know if I was alive back then, if I would be looking at him in the same way I look at him now, where it's like, why the fuck do people like this guy? What is happening? (laughs) Well, honestly, go, go listen to those recordings from when he was 18, the original Sun, Sun Studio recordings. And tell me you can't think, like, if you don't like the music, fine. But tell me you can't understand why that guy became famous just off that. He's 18 years old, straight out of high school. Think about that. No life experience. All he does is play guitar uh, and sing. Just to give a little bit of context, because sometimes, like, me personally, like, I feel like people who died that long ago or, like, 
it's like a completely different i'm so like far removed from that history but just to um i guess throw context in there clint eastwood is five years older than elvis would be today yeah so that's a good way to do it yeah pick someone that's still yeah. going elvis would be 86 or 84 something like that 87 well, I, I just yeah, want to throw out there, right. it's not that I don't like him because of the time period. I mean, oh, no, my my comment was unrelated. Sorry. First off, a big Clint Eastwood fan. And, you know, like I never knew Joan of Arc, you know, I, I give her a fucking like. That, that's what it feels like, though, like. I think of like Elvis and I think of like something like that I couldn't possibly have any comprehension of when in reality it's like a bit more contemporary than I think I. It's I very contemporary because Elvis that. died at 42. Yeah. He, he didn't die an old man. He died young. Yeah, very young. Right. I'm just curious now. So you said he died on the toilet. Did he die from the toilet? Well, he, that all that and more next week on Private Dicks. <laughs> Spoiler, the toilet stabbed him in the ass. Fuck! You fucking gave it away! <laughs> I was thinking of like some sort of like reverse osmosis suction shit, you know? He had, he had an Australian toilet? He had an Australian toilet? Yes! That's actually exactly what came to my mind, so it's weird that you say that. I just watched Private Dicks, and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're going to stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere they take your reviews, Drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff. I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. And, if you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best.